Good afternoon and good evening to everyone. My name is Dave Frankowski and I'll be your moderator for today's class. And welcome to another lecture given by the Oceanside California class. This is a school and not a church. Neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. This school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated to showing proof of the existence of Yahweh our Elohim and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. This school was established as a result of a divine vision and revelation given unto our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley, in the state of Ohio in the year of 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in the year of 1958, and we hold classes in the United States and in various other countries. The Oceanside class was established in 1994. At this time, I'd like to introduce to you the Dean of the Oceanside class, Dr. Dennis Volpe, and the president, Dr. Carl Emler. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title for the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The correct name of our Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been improperly substituted by Lord. The correct title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been improperly substituted by God. And the correct name of the Holy Spirit manifest in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It has been erroneously substituted by Jesus Christ. Lord and God are titles and they are not names. And the apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit tells us in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5, that there are Lord's many and there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike the titles of Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. It's a divine title because it's the title that our creator has chosen for himself. Jesus is a name, but it is an erroneous name. And a minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew, the Greek, nor the Latin languages have any letters or characters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that's made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our own English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, which would make such names as Jesus and Jehovah impossible renderings for the true name of our Father and his Son. Christ is a title just like Lord and God. Yahweh is pure spirit, and in this state, he is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, the limits and the bounds of everything that exists. We have Yahweh in his pure spirit state, symbolized on this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We've drawn this cloud to extend all around the edges of this chart to show that everything on the chart is within the cloud. In like manner, 
everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. Now, Yahweh, knowing that man could not perceive of him in his pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being that is having the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine visions and understood in divine revelations. Later on, this self-same spirit manifests himself in a physical body, and he walked the earth plane as Yahshua the Messiah, who the whole world calls Jesus Christ. Now there's only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So a simple yet intelligent question that we should ask ourselves is, what did they call the Savior when he walked the earth plane? And a further understanding of this name and title may be had by reading the preface to the Holy Name Bible. Also in this school, we teach by the divine pattern of the universe. It's the divine pattern because it's Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai, and he showed him this threefold tabernacle pattern in a vision. Later on, Yahweh instructed Moses to build a physical one in the wilderness, just like the one he had seen in his vision on the mount. The tabernacle pattern is a threefold pattern consisting of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court round about. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. In this school, we show proof that everything in the universe is made and it operates according to the structure and the function of this threefold tabernacle pattern, and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. The school has 10 primary constitutional objectives and aims, and they are as follows. One, to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Two, to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah, without distinction of race, nationality, creed, sex, caste, or color. Three, to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Four, to encourage and promote the study of the scriptures, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern practical and occult science. Five, to extirpate current superstition, skepticism and ignorance. Six, to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seven, to discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, and Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensations of time. Eight, to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Nine, to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained, there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And 10, to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. 
Our watchword is peace, and our slogan is speak the truth. We'll begin this afternoon's class with a prayer by Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside class. And we'll have a scripture read, which will be 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and that will be read by Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. Thank you, Dave. Good afternoon and evening to everyone. Let us all bow in a moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, Yahweh, we are grateful once again for you allowing us to gather together in your name. We have a lot of gratitude in our hearts for all that you have done for us and all that you are continuing to do for us. We appreciate everything that you have given us, especially for opening up our hearts and minds and giving us a profound knowledge and understanding of you and Yahshua. We just appreciate it so much. We ask that you continue to correct us when needed and to be with us and to reveal, continue to reveal yourself unto us and just make us more aware, Yahweh, of your, your divine presence in us and we just want to thank you for just everything that you've done for us because we know that all things not some but all things work to good to those that love you and yashua and we just uh carry this gratitude in our hearts on a continual basis and we ask you to just be with us and Hold us up and keep us from falling. And all these things we ask in the powerful and profound name of our Savior, Yahshua the Messiah, let us all say. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Good afternoon, class. Today I'll be reading 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter from the Holy Name Bible, containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities and various manuscripts revised by the late A.B. Trainer of the Scripture Research Association in College Park, Maryland, 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of Yahweh deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of Elohim. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the spirit of this age hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of the Messiah who is the image of Yahweh, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but the Messiah, Yahshua, the Savior, and ourselves, your servants, for Yahshua's sake. For Yahweh, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh in the face of Yahshua the Messiah, 
but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of Yahweh and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in the body the dying of Yahshua, that the life also of Yahshua might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Yahshua's sake, that the life also of Yahshua might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. We having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe, and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up Yahshua shall raise up us also by Yahshua, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might, through the thanksgiving, may redound to the glory of Yahweh. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Second Corinthians, the fourth chapter. Thank you, Dr. Jerry Geller and Dr. Bruce Geller. And I have one uh, quick announcement before we get started this afternoon. Next Saturday, December 11th, we will not be having class and we will resume our classes on the following weekend. December 18th. No class December 11th, next Saturday. And tonight our scripture readers will be Dr. Gail Josephson from our Green Bay class and Dr. Linda Volpe from our Oceanside class. We'll have a three-speaker format, each speaker getting approximately 35 minutes. And our first speaker will be Dr. Jerry Geller from our Oceanside class. Good afternoon, class. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I missed last week being in the hospital, and I, I just want to take a moment to thank everybody for the outpouring of love that was shown to me and the encouragement, and uh, mostly of Yahshua the Messiah. This scripture, it, it, it really read clear to me. It talked about how that things are happening to us in this flesh, but it's nothing that's going to bring us down in the spirit because the things that Yahshua has shown to us are things that give us such peace of mind. You know, when, when I checked into the hospital, they asked me what my religious preference was. And I said, nothing, that, nothing that's on your list. And the last day I was there, they sent, they sent this uh, pastor in to see me. I'm just here to do what I can do to help you. And uh, 
I said, I am so full of faith in Yahshua the Messiah and so assured that everything's going to be okay, no matter what. And she said, I guess I, you don't need me. And I said, that's exactly right. All I need is Yahshua the Messiah. And this confidence that I have is confidence that was given to me through the faith I have in Yahshua the Messiah, who has never, ever left my side. I shouldn't say my side, never left my heart from within me at any time and is with me always to give me comfort and strength. Now I'd like to go to the scripture lesson and pick it up at verse three, please. Second Corinthians four, three. But if our gospel be hidden, it is hidden to them that are lost. The gospel is hid to them that are lost. I, I remember being in coming into class and, and the gospel is what drew me into class. I remember well my very first class in Los Angeles. Opal um, Lewis was the speaker, Dr. Opal Lewis. And she got up and spent that whole class almost talking about the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. And I was just absolutely mesmerized how that the scriptures were pointing to Yahshua the Messiah and that the confidence that that gave to show that in fact he was the savior, he was the Messiah. And we, we used to, at every convention, have the um, scripture that this gospel will be being preached until the end of, and then the end shall come. I'm not exactly sure what the scripture is, but and then the end shall come. That was our, our theme song at every convention. And now I find in some classes, people say the gospel, that the class I used to be in, the gospel never saved anyone. And, and I just beg to, to differ with you. The gospel, if it's hid, it's hid to them that are lost. The ones that are hiding this great and glorious gospel are, are lost. And that's why they're hiding it. And that's why it's hid from them. Yahshua told us that, that those that, love, that did not receive the love of the truth would receive a strong delusion that they might believe a lie. That's why it's so important to check out the things that are said in this class so that we know them for an assurity and have confidence. Because let me tell you, when I was in the emergency ward and they started going down the list of all my ailments, some normal person might have been scared to death. But I, I, didn't, I didn't have time to go, let me see if I can find a scripture for this or a scripture for that. It wasn't about finding a scripture to get comfort in. It was knowing that Yahshua was in me, that my Savior was in me, and being confident that I was a son of Yahweh Elohim and that I was saved no matter what happened to this physical body. And it's the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah that caused me to have that faith in him. Now go ahead and pick up verse 4. For in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them who believe not, 
lest the light of the glorious gospel of Yahshua, who is the image of Yahweh, should shine unto them. See, I love it when you just read a scripture. It's about the gospel. But all these little things in here talking about the Messiah, who is the image of Yahweh, just thrown in, just throw it in. <laughs> but the, what I want to key on is that this, the, the light of the glorious gospel of the Messiah, the light. Now, wait, it was getting dark here in our house. And before class, I turned on all the lights. Why? So I could see. The light enables you to see. And Yahshua the Messiah, he's the light of the world. He's the one that's going to cause us to be able to see him as he really is and actually exists. And this gospel, it's not just any old thing. It says that the gospel is glorious. The gospel of Yahshua is glorious. So it's not something just to be discarded. Now let's just go over to a couple pages before to 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 and read what the gospel is. You know, I had all preconceptions when I came into class what the gospel was. My father was a gospel singer, so I figured anything he was singing about must be the gospel. And he was singing about Jesus, and that has nothing to do with the gospel. He was singing about all kinds of things that had nothing to do with what the real gospel was. Some people think that the gospel, it, the gospels, are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the books of the, of the, of the apostles that wrote at the beginning of the so-called New Testament. Those were called gospels, when in fact, that the gospel far reaches more than those four little books in the Bible. So let's go ahead and read 1 Corinthians 15 and 1. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand. Now, he says you've received the gospel. Now, in order to receive the, something, it has to be given to you. So it's given to us, the gospel, and we receive the gospel. And it says, wherein ye stand. We stand and have our foundation in this glorious gospel of Yahshua, the Messiah. Read. Two by which also you are saved. By you... which also you are saved. So this is nothing to just throw away. If you read, pick up that oh, over in Romans where Paul talks about, I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is power unto salvation to them that believe. One and 16 of Romans. Romans 1 and 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Yahshua. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. We have nothing to be ashamed of this gospel. Read. For it is the power of Yahweh unto salvation to everyone that believeth. It's the, the power Jews. of Yahweh unto salvation to them that believe. Read on. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of Yahweh revealed from faith to faith as it is written. 
the gospel is going to is going to reveal the righteousness of Yahweh. Now you find out what the gospel is revealing is Yahshua the Messiah. And Yahshua the Messiah is the righteousness of Yahweh. So that's what the gospel is, is, is able to do. It's able to save you. Now go back to 15 and 2 of 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, 2. By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I've preached unto you. Now, you're saved in this if you keep it in memory. Which just is, I feel that this is a warning to us down at the end. That the gospel to many was a big deal. And they seem to be able to let it slip right out of their memory. And that's why we keep preaching the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, because we want to keep it right in the forefront of your memory, right in the forefront of your mind. The thing, in fact, there's a verse that talks about woe unto me if I preach not the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. Do you know where that is, Bruso, or somebody? Okay, if you find it, somebody speak up and just interrupt me. But by which you are saved, if you keep in memory that which I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain, or it just didn't have any effect or importance unto you. Read verse 3. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received. Now this is the gospel that we have received. Read. How that Yahshua died for our sins, according How? to the... How? That word means in what manner or way, with what meaning, to what effect, by what name, for what reason, to what degree, in what state or condition, at what price. There's so many things that, go, that, that, that are explained by that gospel. It's how that the Messiah died for our sins according to the scriptures. Not according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but according to the scriptures. Read. For, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, again, according to the scriptures. Now, some Christians, they throw out the scriptures or the, the scriptures would be from Genesis down to, to Malachi, uh, Malachi the, the, the so-called Old Testament of the Bible. That's what the scriptures are. And some people, they say, I'm just a New Testament Christian. I just believe the, script, the, the New Testament. But here it's telling you that this gospel, this glorious gospel by which we are saved, that's something that is, is, is based on witnesses in the scriptures. Now, if we hadn't been given the great tabernacle pattern that Dr. Kinley gave us, we would have no idea how to go into the scriptures and see how Yahshua was, went through that death, burial, and resurrection. But we have been given this pattern, which is a pattern of all things, which show forth, really, Yahweh Elohim is a pattern of all things, but it's manifest through those scriptures. 
So let's go to the elementary chart there. And I want to pull up a picture of the tabernacle and specifically the court roundabout, if you'd be so kind. The Jerry, First yeah. Corinthians 9.16. Thank you, Reba. Go ahead and read that if you've got it. I think okay. it's Galatians 1 and 6, but go ahead on that too. First uh, Corinthians 9 and 16. Go ahead, Reba. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. That's good. See, woe unto us, not just them. Woe unto us if we have this glorious gospel and we do not present it unto. And you might think, well, nobody said death, burial, erection at class, death, burial, resurrection at class today. That doesn't mean that we haven't preached the gospel. We might be dealing with the in what state or condition part of it. We might be dealing with the to what effect by it or with what meaning. But we all we are preaching this gospel at every class that we come to. Now, the first thing that you come to in this, in this tabernacle pattern is this brazen altar of sin offering. This is where a sacrifice was offered to atone for the children of Israel's sin. This is where a death occurred that somebody else might live. When the children of Israel sinned, they'd bring up the offer, offering and they'd sacrifice it, and then their sin was not held to their charge. So you've got a principle of death there. The next vessel that you come to there is the brazen laver. The brazen laver that is where they buried the sacrifice before and or immersed that sacrifice, showing the principle of a burial. Then the high priest there, you see it anointed with holy anointing oil, was able to resurrect into the more holy, if you will, parts of this tabernacle. So the principles you see here in the court roundabout are the principles of a death, a burial, and a resurrection. Now, if you use these, this pattern, which is exactly like you would do, a, like if you did a blueprint or specifically, I remember in home ec, I used to take these McCall's and simplicity patterns, and I'd take the pattern and I'd put it on top of some polka dot material, and I could cut that that pattern out, cut the material out according to the pattern and have a polka dot skirt. Then I could put the same material on a plaid piece of material and I could have the same skirt manifesting the same principles, but it might just be a little different looking because of the material that was on. That's the same principle we have here with the scriptures. We can take this pattern and not just the court roundabout, but the entire pattern and lay it on the things that happened in the scriptures and see that all the scriptures are going according to this pattern, shown forth Yahshua's death, burial, and resurrection. In fact, all the scriptures are shown forth something about Yahshua. That's the whole purpose, that we might know Yahshua the Messiah as he really is and actually exists. Now, if you slide over right to the plate that's right next to that tabernacle pattern, you have the children of Israel coming up out of Egypt. And when they came up out of Egypt, they had a death plague that took place there that all the sons, the firstborn sons would die. And Israel, by the way, Yahweh said, Israel is my firstborn. If they didn't participate in this 
Passover supper, they would have all died being the firstborn of Yahweh. To escape that death, they had to offer up a lamb. They offered up that lamb and they put the blood on the doorpost, showing that principle of a death. That lamb died that they might live, just like the sacrifice in the tabernacle died that they might live. So there's a principle of a death. Then the children of Israel were taken a specific way into the wilderness of Sinai. I'm sure that their thought when they left Egypt was not that they were going to go through the, the, the Red Sea in a tunnel-like effect. They probably had a different route planned. But Yahweh sent them a specific way to show forth that principle of a burial. It says over there, know ye not that the children of Israel were buried or immersed in the sea. So they, that, they got to the Red Sea and Yahweh caused it to tunnel up and they went through and they were buried in the Red Sea, showing forth a death, a burial, and then they resurrected in the wilderness of Sinai for the purpose of glorifying Yahweh. Let's scoot over one more to the, one more to the left and you pick up, oh, this isn't our normal chart, but you can pick up the story of, of Isaac and oh, well, well, let's just go over to Noah, go Noah, but you can pick up Isaac because Isaac, um, uh, let's just go to the, to the, to the to, I don't want to take the time because I'm running out of time, but with Noah there, Noah, they were all, all mankind was going to die of a flood. Yahweh told, um, told Noah to prepare that ark because him and his family would be saved in that ark. And Yahweh put the blood on the people's head there that would not believe in the salvation that he was, he was um, giving or that flood. You can pick up the, the, the death of the oldest man, Methuselah, there before the, before the um, flood. But all mankind was to perish from the face of the earth except for those that were buried in that ark of safety. So you find that they were buried in the ark, which is typifying being buried in Yahshua the Messiah. He is our ark. And that ark that they were buried in was threefold, just like Yahweh, our Elohim, is the Father, the Word and Son, but yet it's still just one, Yahweh. So they were buried in that ark, just like we need to be buried or immersed in Yahshua, the Messiah. So you have a death and a burial. And then when the rains came, that ark resurrected up on the waters, and that resurrection up on the, uh, uh, onto the waters caused those people to live. You go right there, we have the shown over there with Adam. Adam was put in a deep sleep, just like death. And he wasn't buried in anesthesia like we would be buried in anesthesia if we were to have surgery. He was, he was, he was put under, all right, but in the spirit, a death and a burial. And then Eve was taken out of him, and then he resurrected and so we find death, burial, resurrection there with Adam, death, burial, resurrection with Noah, death, burial, resurrection with, um, with the children of Israel. And it, that, those are all in the law. If you go to the prophets, you'll find that Daniel, he was 
obedient unto Yahweh and was not afraid to pray openly in his window, even though the king put forth a, a decree that anyone that gave any prayer or request of anybody but him would be certainly thrown into the lion's den. He prayed and was not afraid of death. He was not afraid to what man could do or what uh, afraid of what could happen to his physical body. He didn't care. He would be obedient unto Yahweh, even to his death. And in fact, those men threw Daniel into that lion's den, which was certain death. And we know that because when he was resurrected, they threw the men in that were so anxious to kill Daniel and the lions had a wonderful buffet. They loved it. They ate them, ate them up, and there were no leftovers. Yahweh saved him from death, but it was certain death being thrown into that lion's den. Death. And they rolled the stone over that, that den, just like they rolled the stone over Yahshua, Yahshua's grave. And just as Yahshua resurrected, the next morning the king say, came and said, Oh, Daniel. Was your Elohim able to save you from the den of the lions? And he said, yes, indeed. And he was resurrected from that den of lions, a death, burial, and resurrection. His friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were put into another situation there where he, they were told that if they didn't bow down to the image, that they would be thrown into the fiery furnace. And they said, no, nope, we're not going to pay any attention to what they are demanding because it's against Yahweh's will that we would bow down to an, an image. So they stood tall and strong, even in the face of adversity. And, and sure enough, they picked them up and threw them into the fiery furnace, which was so hot that the men that threw them into that fiery furnace were struck down dead, just even getting close enough to throw them in, a death. And they were buried in that furnace. And then the king said, don't I see, didn't we just throw three men in there? I don't just see three men, I see four, and that looks like it's the son of Yahweh in there. Just remember, it doesn't matter what you're going through. If you're in the fiery furnace or going through your death, whatever death Yahweh's got you through, so he can prove to you that he can resurrect you, just know he's, he's right with you during all those adversities that you go through. He's never going to leave you comfortless. And yes, indeed, that was Joshua the Messiah buried in that furnace with him. And the king said, bring him out, because obviously it's not doing any good to throw him in there because Yahweh won't allow them to, to be killed. He brought them out, resurrected them out of that fiery furnace. And you find that they didn't even smell like smoke, neither were their garments singed. Yahshua is showing us through these stories in the law and in the prophets, and through this great pattern that he showed unto Dr. Kinley. And we're such a, such, it's, so we're so privileged to be able to see that that we can be convinced that Yahshua the Messiah went through that death, burial, and resurrection. Because all these things in the law and the prophets were there to show forth how the Yahshua was going to go through a death. And just like the lamb in the tabernacle and the 
the, the um, other bullocks and sacrifices were offered so that those people more than sin, I mean, wouldn't die from their sins. Just like the lamb was was offered at the Passover so that they didn't they, they didn't die from the plague of the death of their bodies. Yahshua the Messiah was offered so that we wouldn't go through the death. Not we're all gonna die from a physical standpoint, but we don't have to die and we can be alive forevermore from a from a spiritual standpoint. So Yahshua, he went through that death. And he was buried in the tomb. And even Yahshua went back to the law and the prophets. And he said, sorry, I'm getting a little out of breath. He said, just like Jonah was in the belly of the fish, because when they threw Jonah overboard, that was certain death to be thrown overboard in, in, um, in, the, in a tumultuous sea, death. And then he was buried in that fish and he was resurrected. And look, when he was resurrected, it was because he would just serve Yahweh. That's how he got into the mess in the first place. Yahweh told him that he needed to go and preach. And he's like, nah, I'm going to go here instead. Yahweh sent him through this death, burial, and resurrection to teach him that, you know what? You're being through, brought through this death, burial, resurrection so that you can serve Yahweh. Just like the children of Israel were brought out of the, the um, Egypt. So it says, so let, Moses said, let them, let them go so that they might serve Yahweh. The reason Yahweh is saving you isn't so you can serve yourself. It isn't for the purpose of, of yourself gaining glory. But the reason why he causes us to go through those things is so that we would become servants of Yahshua the Messiah. And you can go and show this death, burial, resurrection even going on past the past the, the law and the prophets. And yet, and you'll also see it in nature. If you look around, we're coming up on the winter season. And, and if we look around and we see that all the leaves are falling off the trees, everything's going into a death-like state, the animals are hibernating, the trees are losing their leaves. It's the, the whole nation, especially y'all back east, are going into that death-like state. And the ground is being buried in snow. The bears are being buried in their caves. So little froggies are buried underneath the, the, dirt, the, the, the mud. There's a lot of burial going on. And then in the spring, that's when we see the resurrection. When you see the newness of life come to those trees, when the bears come out of those those um, those dens, they resurrect from the dens, and the whole the whole country is going through a resurrection, and you see life springing forth, showing forth Yahshua's death, burial, and resurrection unto the newness of life, and then we're gonna go through that self same thing. We're going to find ourselves in situations where we just feel like we're dead. And, and in fact, when we come into this class, we're all dead. We all are in that death-like state. To be carnally minded is death. Yahshua the Messiah is going to cause us to, to be buried or immersed in this glorious gospel. And, 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 and in the name of Yahshua the Messiah. 
and he's going to resurrect us from that death-like state. And just like when all the other ones that he resurrected, it's for the purpose of going forth and serving Yahshua. And it's our salvation that we have gone through and been resurrected in Yahshua the Messiah. This is no place toy, this gospel of Yahshua the Messiah. And believe me, when you see yourself in these situations, all you can do is fall on the mercy of Yahshua and be satisfied, thy will be done. And every time you see him resurrect you from a state you think might be impossible to come out of, you gain more and more confidence that Yahshua the Messiah has your back. And when you see all the things that he's resurrected us from, we get even more confidence that we're a son because that's who he's resurrecting, his sons. Anyway, I hope you got something out of that. Again, I appreciate all the thoughts that you guys have, have given unto me the last week. And I'm so thankful unto Yahshua the Messiah for giving me a knowledge and understanding of him because I, I just know everything is going to be all right, no matter what. Thank you so much for your attention. Thank you, Dr. Geller. And our next speaker will be from our Syracuse class, Dr. Sharon Welch. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Good afternoon to Oceanside. Um, I enjoyed the remarks of the first speaker. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna be up here long. I'm in uh, communication with um, uh, someone on the phone, it's important. But um, I just wanted to um, just give praise to Yahshua the Messiah that has uh, brought us to this uh, gospel. Um, that is our salvation, um, as she was um, letting you uh, know what that gospel is, which is the death, burial, and resurrection of Yahshua the Messiah, according to the scriptures. And without that, uh, without knowing that, without seeing how that, that plays out um, and down to the law and the prophets, showing forth Yahshua the Messiah um, and that it, he says that, you know, it proves that he is who he says that he is, which is our savior. You know, that's what he came in um, in the flesh to do um, was to uh, forgive uh, our sins his sons from, from his, from their sins. So that was his purpose. And it had to come down through um, the law and the prophets. And it had to show forth the death, burial and resurrection um, as uh, Dr. Geller uh, did very, very nicely um, showing forth um, his witnesses. That's what it is for, is to show you that Yahshua is who he says that he is, and that is your salvation. Um, 
the scripture this evening. Um, um, if we can get uh, verse seven. Now let's Second, pick it up at six. I'm sorry. <laughs> Second Corinthians four, six. For Yahweh Elohim, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, hath shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of Yahweh in face of Yahshua the Messiah. Right. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of Yahweh and not of us. Right. It's the power of Yahweh and not of us. We... We have, you know, we have no power whatsoever unless it is Yahshua in us that has given us that power. Um, who, who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness is what's going on. Um, as uh, Jerry said, that, you know, we all came in here in darkness. We had darkness upon our hearts and minds. We know nothing about our creator, even though we've thought that we did but we did not we were in darkness um and and he has shined in our hearts which is is that holy spirit within you um the and the knowledge of the glory of elohim in the face of yashua the messiah which he is um your savior uh and we we depend on him to bring us through all that we're going through down at the end of this age. You know, we're all got a lot of sicknesses going on, uh, a lot of uh, trials and tribulations and all kinds of things. Um, pick it up at seven again, please. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is that treasure in earthen vessels? What is that? That is the Holy Spirit in you. That's the treasure in your earthen vessel. And that, and what does that do? Keep going, please. That the excellency of the power may be of Yahweh and not of us. See, that excellency of power, power is one of the attributes that makes up that Holy Spirit. And that, that is the excellency of the power that may be of Elohim and not of us. See, we are troubled on every side. And, you know, that's what I just said. Um, but we know that it's Yahshua the Messiah that uh, is in you that will bring you from the death and the burial and he will bring you to the resurrection. So he did that, he went through that physical death, burial, and resurrection to show you that he will uh, uh, allow you to go from that death and that burial and that resurrection. And I'm really sorry, but I do have to take this phone call. I'm very sorry. All praise and honor goes to Yahshua the Messiah. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Welch. And our next speaker will be Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside class. Thank you, Dave. 
and good afternoon and evening to everyone. It's a pleasure to be able to stand in this gospel and just uh, give an account or a, a brief testimony and the things that I've learned uh, since being in class. And that's been quite a number of years since I was a, a young man. Uh, <laughs> and now I'm an old man. <laughs> but I just appreciate very much the fact that Yahweh has allowed me to hang around and still stay in here and fight the fight with the rest of my brethren because this is a fight and it's a fight that's worth uh, being involved in just as a boxer who's a contender you know we have to contend for the faith and um, just a natural example with a boxer you know uh, they say that somebody has a lot of heart that's the term that's used of a boxer who's making a serious contention or, or contending, I should say, for the title, let's say. Well, we're not, we're not boxing. Uh, we're not in a, in a boxing ring. And yet, nevertheless, uh, we're in a fight. And, and that fight is uh, with that uh, mystery of iniquity that Yahweh has... Uh, has created and has purposed for him to run his course. Well, he is an intricate part, as much of a part of the purpose of Yahweh as anything else is, and it has, has a, uh, a definite function in the purpose of Yahweh. Um, he is, without any shadow of a doubt, a worthy uh, opponent to us, to Yahweh, uh, you know, not not so much, not so much. But um, we are not, uh, as it says in the book, we're we're not wrestling against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against. Uh, can someone get that? I don't. I'm not sure exactly where that is. But Second Corinthians ten and four. How are you? Thank you. Very good, Sasha. Can somebody read that? In fact, you could start at one because it's, uh, you know, one of our aims is, is dealing with psychology, which is the study of, uh, of the human, of human behavior. And we ought to have learned a, a few things about human behavior by what's being taught in class. Because, I mean, right off the bat, as Jerry said, we come into class for all intents and purposes, deaf dumb and blind and uh, and i can say this beyond any shadow of a doubt this is my testimony that even though i was raised in judaism and uh and you know until i became so-called a so-called man at 13 or 14 uh, i did not know one single thing about my creator or about my savior Absolutely zero zilch, nothing until I walked, until Yahweh brought me into one of these classes. And I am so grateful that he did because I know that I didn't know anything, nothing. And when you see how much there is to learn, it's really just amazing that we didn't know. We were blind 
we were deaf, we were dumb, and all the rest of those adjectives you want to use, we were carnally minded. That means that all, carnal just simply means not spiritual. For absolute sure, none of us can lay hold and make a claim that we were spiritual before we entered one of these. We might have thought we were spiritual because we listened to Indian music or something. There's always some uh, thing that they'll say about being spiritual. We, we lit candles. They, they lit candles in Judaism, but that don't make you spiritually minded because I used to watch my grandmother light a candle. She was from the old country and she'd light a candle and she'd she would make the smoke and the uh, have it appear that it was going into her. She would fan it towards herself. Now, somebody might think that that's spiritual. I don't know what I thought that was when I was a kid. I thought it was kind of fascinating in a way, but there was nothing spiritual about it. And we were not spiritually minded in any way, shape, or form before Yahweh gave us some kind of knowledge and understanding about himself. And so we're, uh, we're grateful for the fact that we really do know something about Yahweh. I, I know I was holding a scripture, uh, 2 Corinthians 10 and 1. Go ahead, whoever was reading it. Sure. Um, now I, Paul, myself, beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Yahshua, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I mm -hmm. beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh. Okay, now is it for? Is it for um, yep. Okay, Gail, thanks. Sure. Verse four, for the mm -hmm. weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through Yahweh to the pulling down of strongholds. Now, folks, that's talking. We didn't know this, obviously, before we came into class, but that's dealing with spirit right there, because that's what Yahweh is. He's spirit. So there's no fight going on where we're, we're wrestling against anything carnal. But we're, we are dealing with, uh, go ahead, Gail, I think it's in there. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. Is to say something like that in there? Um, that's in Ephesians 6, 12, per Sasha. Oh, okay. Go ahead and read. You got it, Linda? Uh-huh, I do. Uh, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Spiritual wickedness in high places. And when we first came into class, we, we were taught that some of these high places were, well, you know, like Vatican City and stuff like that. But see, we, we come to realize that it means even more than that because you know, of what was going, what was in our hearts and our minds when we came into class. And many of us, uh, we can't say that we were anything but wicked yep. when we came in. 
and, and yet we may have had a very high opinion of ourselves, but to Yahweh, uh, you know, we realize now that we just didn't know anything. And we were reading in the scripture that, and I'm paraphrasing this, but what it said is our sufficiency is of Yahweh, not of ourselves. We can't lay claim to any of this stuff. And it isn't a result of any of our aptitudes or any of our, uh, 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 whether we're smart or not smart, it's got nothing to do with it. It has to do with having something for sure and definite revealed unto you, and it's the spirit that's doing it. It's the spirit that's working in us that gives us strength and courage and confidence and all the things that we're going to need to stand, you know, against the wiles of the adversary who we have to admit, and I didn't know this before I came into class, not even close was I to knowing it, that Yahweh Elohim himself, he made the devil. He created that mystery of iniquity. And he did a tremendous job in setting him up for the purpose that he was set up for. And this really wasn't where I was headed, but uh, let's read John eight forty four and let's see what that mystery of iniquity, what his function is. Because, folks, he's trying to do something to us. He's not, uh, he hasn't gone to sleep. He's going after us with everything that he has. But do we have to keep in mind that one thing he cannot do? And it's important for us to keep this in mind in our everyday life. We'll read it in John 8, 44, that you can depend on this, that he is a liar and the father of it. So when he speaks to you or tries to tell you to do something or think something or feel some way or something, just keep in mind that he's lying. He is not for you. He's not, as Jerry said, as Yahshua is in our corner, the mystery of iniquity, folks, is not in our corner. Absolutely not. He's doing everything he can to try to cause us to lose faith in Yahshua. And you know what? Once you have Yahshua in you, he can try all he wants, but it is not going to work. He is not going to turn you away from the truth. And we're so blessed, folks, to be able to 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 be able to accept the truth and to love the truth. Because we just read that Yahweh would send them a strong delusion. And here's an, an amazing thing. I think a lot about delusions, folks. And we're seeing it manifest out in the world. This delusionary thinking is so prevalent. I've often used this term. Delusions really and truly are a dime a dozen. In other words, you can believe and think as it were anything, you know, you would think that any way you want to think, you could think, but there's so many lies out there that you can believe. I mean, 
look at look at the state and condition of the world. I remember back in the 70s, I was told that things are going to get worse than they are now, than they were then, I should say. And I scoffed at that. I truly did. I laughed at that to myself when I heard that. I said, that's nah, not going to get any worse. Oh, yeah. You tell me now if you've ever seen the world in the state and condition that it is now. And that's because Yahweh has caused it to be such so we would turn to him. Jerry talked about uh, being at the mercy of Yahshua. Guess what, folks? That's exactly where he wants us to be, at his mercy. And we have received mercy. And that scripture that we read, it's in the scripture that we've received his mercy. And without his mercy, folks, think of where we would be. We needed his mercy. We were wrong. We didn't know anything. And he came and he rescued us. And by the way, that is the term that the founder, and I've seen it in many places, where he talks about salvation as being rescued yeah. and or delivered. Now, when you're born, you're delivered. Whether you like it or not, you have been delivered from that womb that you were in, from that other world that you were in, from darkness. And that's just an example. He has rescued us, folks, from the clutches of that mystery of iniquity that had us all, all of us, none of us were exempt from being in the clutches of that mystery of iniquity, who was doing everything he could to keep us that way, dead. Founder said we were dead on arrival. Now, folks, there's something about death. When you're dead, you can't reproduce Matter of fact, you can't do anything when you're dead. That was us, impotent, dead, you name it, and in darkness. And we read, and I forget where this is, but this is profound too. In fact, I'd like you to get this. I, I know we're holding a couple scriptures, but there's a, there's a scripture in there that talks about how we've been translated into the kingdom of his dear son. But I believe in there it talks about what... Colossians 1.13. Thank you, Sasha. I, I want to point out to you that we were in under the power of the... the power. It talks about darkness there. I'd like you to read that because this is... It's so important for us to understand where we've come from. We have come from a state and condition of being in complete darkness, folks. Just as Israel and Egypt, unless Yahweh intervened and came in there and saved, their, saved them from Pharaoh and his host, then they were dead. And yet he raised them from the dead in a type. He saved them through the blood I often wondered during Passover, what's this business about putting blood on the door? What does all this mean? You know, until we sit down and have our chicken, we'll, and that's what we had too. We didn't have lamb at the Passover supper, which is what was on the menu. 
was lamb, bitter herbs, and unleavened bread. But we were in such darkness, we didn't even have the right questions to ask. He had to give us the right even question to ask. But one of the questions that is asked there is, why is this night different from all other nights? For those of you who might or might not have heard what goes on at a Passover Seder. And, and then they, and it's all about them. It isn't about Yahshua. In fact, to the Jews, the modern day Jews, Yahshua was just a nice fella. He was just another guy to them. And I didn't know a thing about Yahshua the Messiah before I came into class. Not one single thing. And he's the savior. I didn't even know Yahweh's name, folks. Think about it. And yet that name was given to, quote, my people. And yet I didn't even hear it in Hebrew. All the time I was in Hebrew school, I never once heard the name Yahweh. And when I came across it in this Torah, in the books of the law, I was taught to read Adonai. That's all I knew. Boy, they kept me kept me in line. They kept all of us in line. What, no matter what religion you came out of, we never did get the story straight until we came into one of these classes, sat our tushies down, and let somebody teach us that knows something about Yahweh and show us something and just reveal something to us, folks. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing that Yahweh was found it fit and suitable to, to take us out of the, this evil present world that we're living and sit us down and teach us. We should be so grateful for what he has done for us, folks, that we can stand confidently and say, you know, I really know my creator, and I know my savior. And I'm happy, shouting happy that I know something. Um, I know I was having you get a scripture, and I forgot. Oh, I'd like Colossians 1.13, because this really explains to us something about what we've been rescued from, what we've been delivered from. I use the, uh, the analogy of being delivered from our mother's womb, which we were, cannot deny that. But read Colossians 1.13, please. Colossians 1.13. Mm -hmm. who, hath, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Now, folks, that's it right there, the power of darkness. That's that mystery of iniquity, folks. And that's not a power that we could do anything of our own selves about. Still can't. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. No, it takes the spirit of Yahshua to overcome that, folks. That's the only thing that can overcome the power of darkness. Now, does it say there that we were translated? Is that part of what you're reading, yep. Kim? Yes. Because I've been thinking a lot about tra being translated. Um 
And I'm not about to explain to you how Enoch was translated and all that, because you do find it in the book that certain men did not see death and they were translated. But I'm telling you, folks, that without a translator, without someone to translate this gospel, we would be and still be in darkness. Right. We've been translated. We have been. You have to have a translator in order to understand it's like when we used to go down to Mexico and teach. Well, the people that we were teaching didn't understand the language that we were speaking. And we had to have somebody translate it. Now, it's the same thing from a spiritual standpoint. This is a language that unless it's translated for you, it's Greek. You know, you've heard that expression. It's Greek to me. You know, you don't understand it. Now, we were, none of us understood Yahweh, if we want to be honest about it. What did you understand when you first came into this class? Did you understand anything for real and for definite? You had to be sat down and taught these things. And you had to be willing to sit. And, and see, that's where Yahweh uh, uh, you talk about divine intervention to bring us in here in the first place and sit us down and teach us something about himself. We were so fortunate that we really were given the story straight. We're getting this thing straight, folks. This is the true gospel that is able to save your and my soul. And then for somebody to come along and say that this gospel hasn't done anything for anybody, well, one thing is apparent when you hear that. It hasn't done anything for you, but don't speak for me. Because I've heard people get up on this floor and say this gospel hasn't done anything for anybody and never saved anybody. Well, apparently it hasn't done anything for you, but don't, don't you presume to think that you could speak for me, because that is not my testimony. I'm telling you, and, 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 and I'm sure you have your own testimony, that this gospel means a lot to you, yeah. and it has done something for you. This is good news, folks, that we, could, we can get in to the, to the we've gotten in, I'll, I'll say, into the kingdom of his dear son, as it says, through the gospel. Right. It's through the foolishness of preaching this gospel that you say hasn't done anything for anybody, but yet it's through the foolishness of preaching that it pleased Yahweh to save them that believe the gospel. And it's Yahweh that gives us the power to believe this gospel. You can't believe it on your own, folks. You don't have that kind of power. Neither do I. And that's why we come to class to get renewed in the spirit. And there's another scripture in there that it talks about how that we're all baptized into... A, uh, it's in 1 Corinthians, I think it is, where it says, by one spirit are we all baptized into the Messiah, Yahshua. I don't know where that is. Sasha, if yeah, you know where that is. 1 Corinthians 11, 12, I think. Now, you tell me if it says anything about water when you read that. 
if you could read that one too. I know I'm reading one scripture to another and I'm I'm going I'm all over the place. Well, that's standard operating procedure, I guess, for me. But if you could read what was that scripture, Sasha? First Corinthians eleven twelve. Could somebody read that? Yeah, I don't think it's that. It's by one spirit. It's a twelve fourteen. First Corinthians, Corinthians twelve fourteen. Thirteen. Got it. Okay, got it. For by one spirit were we all baptized into one body. We're all baptized into one body. By one spirit, it doesn't say anything about water there. And that body that we're being immersed into is the body of Yahshua the Messiah, which, by the way, you have, you and I have got to be in that, just like those in the antediluvian age had to be in the ark of safety. Yahshua is that ark of safety, and we're all baptized into one body by, but guess how that's done? Through the gospel. So in order to get baptized into one body, you have to have the gospel preached to you. And it not only does it not make mention of water, but you have to be immersed into, in the gospel. You have to have the gospel preached unto you in order to be immersed into that one body. So for you to say the gospel hasn't done anything, you understand, obviously you don't, the ramifications of that statement, that the gospel never did anything for anybody, that's such nonsense, folks. We don't believe that stuff. We just, I, I tell you, just from my own personal experience in this class, I believed a lot of foolishness, a lot of foolishness. And I'm so grateful that Yahshua straightened me out about that foolishness. Because we all, uh, I wouldn't say that all of us <laughs> were all delusional all the time. That's not what I'm saying. And yet, if you think about uh, what a delusion really is, it's a false belief. And tell me that they aren't a dime a dozen. Tell me. You can't tell me that. I just asked you to tell me, but there's no... There are a dime a dozen. And yet we have to believe this gospel in order to be straightened out and to be made right. Now let's go back to what we've been taken from, what we've been saved from. It, uh, we, it, we were back there in uh, uh, Colossians. One, I didn't let you finish. You can read that. Who, who hath translated us, right? Yeah into the can kingdom you, of his dear son. Can you read up a little from there? 13, uh, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. Oh my and, goodness. And Think of it, folks. I'm sorry, I keep interrupting you. I know that. I just mm -hmm. can't, I just can't. It's just so amazing what he saved us from, folks. The power of darkness. Mm -hmm. And man, that was some thick, powerful darkness folks that we were in and it don't matter what religion you came out of 
Judaism, Roman, don't make any difference. Eastern religion. We were in darkness to the purpose of Yahweh. And now he's given us light, folks, so we can see. And that light is him. Go ahead, Gail. 13. Mm -hmm. Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness? Right. And hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. Incidentally, folks, you tell me how you could get in that position without having the gospel preached to you. I'd love for you to explain that to me. This Five gospel, minutes, Dr. Geller. Five minutes. Thank you, Dave. You got to have the things uh, preached right. And we're having it preached right, folks. And there's fruit that is coming from the fact that Yahshua is given us the story straight, folks, and that he's given us a love of the truth. And he's correcting us still, an ongoing process. You don't correct, get corrected or chastised once and it's, you know, it's all done. It's an ongoing process. And when we're chastised, sometimes it's very hard, but we should be grateful that Yahweh is, is doing the correcting and that we are submitting ourselves unto that correction. And that he's humbling us because we didn't walk in the door humble. We did not have an ounce of humility. But through the spirit, and folks, this is what's happening is that all of this is being done through the spirit, not through flesh and blood, but through the spirit. And that spirit, folks, is strong and is able to overcome. He said, Yahshua's testimony was to his disciples, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So we have been given strength, all of these attributes that, have, that, in fact, Sharon was talking about the attributes of the Holy Spirit, power. That's not of ourselves. We don't can't take credit for something like that. That's his power and his strength. That's what we have been recipients of. Right. So we're, we're grateful. I'm grateful. And that Yahweh hasn't given up on any of us, folks. And he's correcting us. And he's making us right in his eyesight. He's given us the proper heart, the proper mind, the proper attitude, and the spirit of truth. And boy, look at this world, folks. Look at what he's saving us from. I'm telling you, I'm just grateful. I just want to encourage everybody in this class to continue on in this because that's as it's been said before there are great benefits from sticking in here and sticking with this thing because i know from my own personal experience and i know that it's the same with you that it could get very very tough but if you think about this nothing worth anything uh nothing that's worth anything uh, comes without some kind of struggle, some kind of perseverance, and some kind of uh, ad, uh, adversity. And Yahshua just brings us through every time. 
And I found myself when my wife was in the hospital with blood clots, I just, my, my attitude was Yahweh, let your will be done no matter what it is. And I'm telling you, it works. And so that's why in my prayer, I said that all things work together to good to those that love Yahweh and to those that who, who are the called, no matter what it is. Because in the, in the past, when things didn't go our way, oh, we got real attitudinal. But now we've learned that no matter how things go, if we love Yahweh, it's all going to work out. And that we should have the proper attitude about it. And the focus is not on what necessarily we want, but what's he knows what's best for us, folks. We don't always know what's best for us. So I, I just want to be some kind of an encouragement. I'm grateful to be in this class. And I'm grateful that Yahweh has stuck with me and not let me go. And so I want to thank you for the opportunity to have something to say about this gospel. Thank you very much. All praises to Yahshua the Messiah. Thank you, Dr. Geller. And our last speaker for this afternoon will be the dean of our Green Bay class, Dr. Andy Verkaterin. I want to say hello to everybody, and hopefully everyone can hear me okay. We can. I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed the remarks of all three people. Um, Jerry talked about the gospel and did a fantastic job explaining the difference in um, what is believed in the world, let's get 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 again, where she was, the gospel, or where that was, 2 Corinthians 15, 1, or one of them. 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and in which ye stand. Right. By which, sorry, my dog was starting to bark. By which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. Now this gospel, according to Paul, has the ability to save your soul. If you keep it in memory. And I remember one time talking to a Christian about this, and um and if you keep reading here, we'll show you the crux of it. Go ahead, keep reading. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Yahshua died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. Now, when I was talking to this Christian about that, and he was telling me that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and all those New Testament scriptures basically is talking about Jesus's death, burial, and resurrection. But what I tried to get him to see is that when this is being said, the death, burial, and resurrection according to the scriptures, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John weren't written yet. So there's no way he could be referring to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John as being the scriptures that talk about the death, burial, and resurrection. 
Now, Jerry did a fantastic job going back in the law and in the prophets, showing you some examples of uh, um, the children of Israel going through a death, burial, and resurrection. Jonah and the prophets going through a death, burial, and resurrection. And Noah going through a death, burial, and resurrection. She showed you with the pattern, the death, burial, and resurrection. Now, all these things she was showing you. And she showed you even the physical creation, how there was a death, burial, and resurrection. Now, when I asked them to show me in the Old Testament, because he agreed that the scriptures would have been the Old Testament, when I asked this Christian to show me in the Old Testament where the Messiah went through a death, burial, and resurrection, and, you know, all I heard from him was crickets. He did not even know where to start. And then he said, well, I heard it once, but I don't remember and then I told him right in the scripture that it has the ability to save your soul if you keep in memory. Basically, what he was doing is trying to cover his tracks. He just flat out did not hear or hear anything like what we teach down in the school, how that gospel, uh, what Yahshua went through, was all verified in the law and prophets. And it has the power uh, to save your soul. Now, and also the other thing is rose again. You know, I asked the same Christian after that, I said, now, how did it says rose again the third day? Now, that means it happened before. And when I asked them rose again, again, I heard crickets. They just don't know that kind of information. But we know that when you go to Second uh, Peter, uh, let's get Second Peter 1, 20 and 21. Second Peter 1 and 20, mm -hmm. knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. So all those things in the Old Testament or law and prophets, no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Read. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. But holy men of Yahweh spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Now these holy men, Moses, Jonah, uh, Noah, and all these people, as they spoke, they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And we know, uh, John 14, 26, that the name of the Holy Spirit is Yahshua. So it was Yahshua that moved Jonah, Yahshua that moved Noah, uh, Yahshua that moved Moses and all these various things. Now, they weren't conscious of what it was in them that did that. It was a mystery unto them that says that in Colossians 1.26, knowing this first, well, we, we won't get that. But the bottom line is those men were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they went through a process of death, burial, and resurrection. So when we talk about how our gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection, how he rose again. You know, Yahshua was fulfilling those other resurrections and those other deaths and those other burials and all this type of stuff. Now let's get Romans, uh, and, and Jerry hit this, Romans 1 and 16 again. Romans 1, 16. Mm -hmm. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Yahshua the Messiah, 
Now, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, and it would be really sad if somebody ever was ashamed of the gospel of Yahshua Messiah. But I, and I can obviously see that no other speakers on the, the class tonight were ashamed of the gospel. And, and, you know, and hopefully our audience isn't either. Because why are we not ashamed of the gospel? Read. For it is the power of Yahweh unto salvation to everyone that believeth. No, it's not. That's what some people might think. Well, I'm just telling you right off, they're wrong. They're liars. Now, when we look at the attributes, if you take the Moses chart, for example, and on the top of the left corner, you're going to see the attributes on the cloud. And then... There's nine divine attributes. We have a wisdom, knowledge, and intelligence up on the top. And then you have love, beauty, and justice. Then you have foundation, power, and strength. Now, one of the attributes of Yahweh is power. And his power is being used to cause salvation. And the gospel is the power of Yahweh unto salvation. So his attribute is being demonstrated through the preaching of the gospel to save somebody's soul, to basically translate them, to conform them, to uh, convert them. There's all types of things that can happen to uh, ways of describing what's happening to a person's soul as a result of having the gospel preached unto them. Now, power, if you look up the word power, now when we take power and strength and uh, um and Bruce had mentioned the power and strength. And a lot of times people, they mix those two together. And what's the difference between power and strength? And maybe a person hasn't ever thought about the differences of power and strength. But when you look up the word power, it's the ability to act or produce an effect. Now, when the gospel is the power of Yahweh, or in other words, it has the ability to act or produce an effect. Now, there's other forms of power, too. There's mental and moral FSC, and there's also political control, influence, you know, power, men lost after power. A great example of something uh, that has power is if you look at an automobile or a truck, the engine has power. It has horsepower, they call it. It's a measurement of, uh, of power that that horse or that uh, engine can produce. It, that engine has the ability to act or produce an effect. When you hit that gas, that engine is going to roar and it's going to cause some sort of action. Now, strength is a little different than that. Now, strength is the quality or state of being strong, the capacity or exertion of an, or endurance. Now, it has the power to resist force. Strength is the ability to resist force or to, uh, to uh, strength is to, to be able to resist attack. And I take the same example with a car or truck. Now, a truck, for example, if you take a, a half ton pickup truck, it's basically half a ton is a thousand pounds of downward pressure that you could put in the bed or the back of the end of a pickup truck. And the, the strength of the suspension and the springs are able to resist that downward force of what's in the bed. 
the engine has the power to make it move. So one is the ability to resist uh, something or the endurance of something like a diamond, the strength of a diamond is so hard, you can use it on tools for cutting stuff. And the power of something is the ability to do something. Now the gospel has the power to do something. And now, um, so I just thought that was really good what Jerry got into. And I thought she did a wonderful job explaining the gospel, but I just wanted to add those few words on that. Now, Sharon, when she was up, she was talking about uh, in the scripture reading, um, it said that um, verse seven, she got uh, a scripture reading of, of 2 Corinthians 4 and 7. Let's get that again, please. Second Corinthians four and seven, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the now she was talking about this treasure. She was talking about earthen vessels and stuff like that. Go ahead. That the excellency of the power may be of Yahweh and not of us. And there we're picking up that attribute of power again. And a lot of the things that were said tonight had to do with power or strength. And that's why I wanted to focus in on those two things, because, you know, we talk about attributes, but I was going to pin on those two in particular uh, uh, for what I wanted to say. Now, it's talking about treasures. Now, obviously, the treasures we're talking about here are the treasures that are uh, pertaining to Yahweh. Now, there's another kind of treasure, and I, we got it in our Green Bay class uh, last uh, 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 yesterday, actually, and it's in Matthew, the sixth chapter, uh, verse 19. Let's get Matthew uh, 6 and 19, please. Matthew 6 and 19. Mm -hmm. lay, not, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Now, if you get into this scripture... He's, Yahshua's talking here. This is before Pentecost. And, you know, meaning that he didn't go through his death, burial, and resurrection yet. And he talks about alms. You know, when you give alms and, you know, do it in private. You don't do it. A lot of times when people give alms or give something to the poor, they want the news, the broadcast that they gave them $300,000. You know, they, they want to be recognized for their good doing. But in this particular case, you, you don't want to. You want to do it in secret. And it talks about the prayers. And this is also where you have the eye of our Father, our heaven, and so forth. And then it's talking about teaching and fasting. But when we get into the 19th verse here, it's talking about treasures uh, and, and, and various types of treasures, treasures, and that's what we're at. I just wanted to bring you up to speed on this chapter. Now go ahead and read that again, please. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Now when you're talking but about treasures in earth, now we're going to stop right there. I don't mean to interrupt, but... Uh, um, but just wanted to make a point when you're dealing with treasures, one of the things that was brought up in the class yesterday is a, a treasure is something that, well, obviously, you know, jewels are treasures, you know, people think money and gold, all that stuff's treasures and crowns and, you know, all these various things. 
But a treasure is something that in your mind that you have a great love for and attachment for. Now, when you're laying up treasures, now in the natural world, people would have money as a treasure would be one example of a treasure. Somebody might treasure money. You know, the more money I get, the happier I am. Once you get a million dollars, now you're not happy and you want two million. Once you get to two million, now you want four million. It never stops. Your job might be your treasure. You know, uh, um, you know, you invest everything, your 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 whole heart and soul in your job, or or you know, live the American dream and buy a house with a white picket fence. You know, and you know, everyone wants that house would be your treasure or a car. You know, I really want that Lamborghini or that Mustang or that Corvette. You know, or this F one fifty Ford or whatever you know, people might treasure their vehicles and it could be your own image. You know, people would treasure just how, what people think of them. So they want the world to know that they're generous and they gave a million dollars to the uh, whatever fund, you know, they want, they, they're treasuring their own image, you know, if, especially if they're in the public eye, uh, you know, your 401k, your stocks, all these things might be your treasure, your spouse, it could be your family could be your treasure, your own health. In other words, you want to build up your body. You want muscles so you look really good on the beach or whatever, you know. But these things are things that people put a lot of effort and time into these particular things. Now, what all these things have in common is, you know, first of all, they all are in the flesh and they're temporary. You know, money is temporary. You don't take it with it when you when you when you go to the grave. Your money ain't going with you. It's temporary. Your job is temporary. I had my job for twenty five years, which is a long time. I lost it during COVID. Well, it's temporary. Your house isn't going to last forever, and your house will probably outlive you, and someone else will be living it. But again, there's going to be a day that that house will be destroyed, unless it's uh, deemed some kind of a historical building and they preserve it but it's temporary a car you know you buy a car and it's beautiful and there's no little dings on it 10 years later you're already thinking about getting a new one because you got too many miles on it and it's got dings all over the place and you know the upholstery starting to rip it, it, it's temporary your your image is temporary your 401k and your stocks those are all temporary they could go one direction one and your spouse from a natural standpoint you know you have a life expectancy, your family and your health, all those types of things. If you're a bodybuilder when you're a young person, you know, are you a bodybuilder in your 80s? No, it's all temporary. It's temporary. It's carnal. It's physical. It's salvation. And all those things we invest so much energy in has no salvation. There's no salvation in your money. There's no salvation in your job. Your soul isn't being saved because you have a million dollars. You're not, your soul's not being saved because I got this great job. You, you know, I got this great house isn't saving your soul. A car isn't saving your soul. Your image isn't saving your soul. Your stocks, your bonds, your 401k, your, your spouse, your family, all these things. There's no salvation of your soul in it. So the treasures being in Yahweh makes sense because when you're talking about your treasures being with Yahshua, they're not temporary. They're forever. And uh, by having your treasures in Yahshua, you know, 
it's going to go on forever. I mean, I remember the founder used to sell life insurance and uh, life insurance for people that, you know, obviously when you're living your life, there's going to be time you want to utilize your life insurance, you know, for your family or, or for whatever. But he later said that he didn't sell life insurance. He sold life assurance. And when you come to class, what we're trying to give you is life assurance, Sri Ashram Messiah, because it says in Ephesians, the second chapter, let's get that. It talks about us going on in ages to come. Ephesians uh, uh, 2 and uh, um, uh, let's start at 6, please. Ephesians 2 and 6. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Yahshua, the Messiah. Right. Keep reading. Okay. Seven, that in the ages to come, he might show us the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Yahshua. Now, this is life assurance that in the ages to come. See, we are currently in the uh, present kingdom age. And in the chronology chart, if you look at that, we're currently in the present kingdom age. And the next age after universal revelation of Yahshua okay. is going to be called the kingdom age. And then after that, you're going to have, uh, after the kingdom age, then it's the perfect age, and then it's the Sabbath age. So those are ages to come that we're going to go on learning about Yahshua's grace and his loving kindness and riches towards us, all those types. That's where our treasures should be, because those treasures are going to go on throughout eternity. The other treasures, it just isn't going to happen. Now let's go back to Matthew 6 and 19, where we left off, please. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Mm -hmm. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. So lay your treasures in heaven, where moth and rust, and, and what do moths eat? They eat wool. So all these things that... You know, these things, they just eat up your time. You become consumed in your money. You become, become consumed in your job. You become consumed in all these things when you should be consumed in Yahshua. And one of our dear loved ones that uh, had passed a while ago said, don't make Yahweh your number one priority. Make him your only priority. So Yahshua should be your priority. And it should be a very high priority because talk about life assurance that's your only hope is in Yahshua. And the founder said, uh, he's, he's your only hope. Now, um, I think that's all I wanted there. And the other thing I wanted to talk about uh, uh, is the, in the strength part. Now, we talked a little bit about power. Now we're going to talk a little bit about strength. Now, the strength is the ability to endure. Now, um, let me get um, um, let's get um, uh, endure to the end. Uh, let's get Matthew ten and twenty two. Matthew ten twenty two. Mm -hmm. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, 
and we're hated for the name of Yahshua and, and for believing in Yahweh. I mean, there's, there's people that they just don't like that name. And you can even pick it up in Malachi that there's priests that despise his name. You know, so it's blatant in the world, but read. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. But he that endureth to the end shall be saved. So what does it take to endure? It takes strength to endure. The attribute that's going to allow you to endure to the end is the strength. You need the strength of Yahshua to allow you to be able to endure. Now, if you look up the word endure in a dictionary, it means to continue in the same state. It means to last, to remain firm under suffering or misfortune. And, you know, it's the same thing when and Bruce and Jerry were talking about in, in, you know, Sharon as well. We have people that are going to suffer the same things that people suffer in the world. But we continue in the same state as a result of it. We don't run around like, oh, my goodness. You know what I mean? We, we, we remain firm under the suffering or misfortune without yielding to undergo hardship, without giving in. Um, and the synonym of endure is to suffer, bear, or continue. And if you look up endurance, it's the ability to withstand hardship, adversity, or stress, to suffer trials. And we had some people talk about trials, how we're going through uh, uh, trials. Now, so when you think about those things, um, well, first of all, let's get it in the law where somebody had to endure. Let's get, uh, I'm going to get two scriptures. I'm going to get Hebrews uh, 11, 24 through 29. And then I want to go to Exodus 5 and 2, because this is talking about Moses and the children of Israel. And we're going to get those two scriptures first of all. Hebrews eleven twenty four, mm -hmm. by faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You know, he refused. He endured the belief within himself to be refused to be called Pharaoh's the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Read, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of Elohim than to he enjoy suffered. the. And one of the definitions of endure is to suffer or of or misfortune to to remain firm under suffering or misfortune. Now he he was you know go ahead and read choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of Elohim than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, mm -hmm. esteeming the reproach of Yahshua greater riches than the treasure in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. And here we're picking up the treasures again. The treasures that he had within his heart and mind towards Yahweh versus the treasures of Egypt. Go ahead. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing mm -hmm. the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now you go up before Pharaoh. That guy has the power of life and death. I mean that, that man could put some fear in you. But he didn't have any fear of the, of, of the king. He, first, he, he endured that fear of the king Pharaoh. 
Read. Through faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Mm -hmm. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land. He went through the Red Sea and, and even all that stuff. They came to the Red Sea and, and they were all, you know, yelling at Moses. Would you bring us out here to die? You know, because here comes the Pharaoh and all his hosts with all the chariots ready to, ready to slam. And they were basically cornered between uh, the Red Sea and, and a great mighty army coming down on them. And then he, Moses just said, stand still and see the salvation of of, uh, of Yahweh. Now, now let's get Hebrews uh, 5 and 2, because you're going to get it actually in the law, one example of what we just read here in Hebrews. Exodus 5 and 2. Mm -hmm. And Pharaoh said, who is Yahweh that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not Yahweh, neither will I let Israel go. See now, you know, we're hated for his name's sake, but he that endures to the end should still be saved. Now, even though uh, Pharaoh was being, who's this Yahweh? I don't know. Neither will I obey his voice. Basically, Moses stood firm under that. And he that endures to the end, that same person will be saved. And Moses was saved. He was basically, they went through the divided was the Red Sea uh, after that death uh, plague and, and then Israel went through the divided waters of the Red Sea and they came up and sang a song of victory in the wilderness of Sinai. So he went through that process, that enduring. He endured many, many things all the way through. It was the strength of the Holy Spirit in Moses that caused him to have enough faith in Yahweh to go through all those things. Now, get it. We'll get it in the prophets, uh, Psalms 28, 7, and 8, because Bruce had mentioned that the power and strength come by Yahweh. Well, we'll get it in the book, so you don't have to just take our word for it. Uh, let's get Psalms 22 or 28, 7 through 8. Psalms 28, 7, no, 27, mm -hmm. 7, 28, verse 7. Okay, and 8. sorry, Yahweh is my strength and my shield. My heart trusted in him and I am helped. Yahweh there, is my, my strength and my shield. Read. Uh, therefore, my heart greatly rejoiceth and with my song will I praise him. Mm -hmm. Yahweh is their strength and he is the saving strength of his anointed. He's their strength and he's the saving strength of the anointed. Of the anointed. And, you know, those people back there that had the Holy Spirit, they're anointed with the Holy Spirit that allowed them to be able to move and do all those things. So we have the principle of strength, and it's all coming through Yahweh, that he's the one that's giving us strength, and he's also the one giving us the power. Now, one of the places we can go, uh, uh, and there's a lot of things that we can talk about with um, enduring, uh, for example, um, Boy, there's two ways I can go. Let's get um, um, the armor of Ephesians 6, uh, verse 10. And we'll get that. And then we'll see how much time we have left for a couple other scriptures. But I think that's probably about all the time we're going to have on this particular topic. Yes, five minutes, Dr. Procrater. Okay, thank you.
Ephesians 6 and 10. Mm -hmm. Finally, my brethren, be strong in Yahweh, in Yahshua, and in the power be of Be strong. Him. So here comes this attribute of, 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 of strong and, 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 you know, and strength. Read. Mm -hmm. And in the power of his might. And the power. So here comes up power again. And that's why I wanted to show the difference between power and strength. One is the ability to act or produce an effect. And one is the ability to withstand a tremendous amount of force or uh, exertion or things being done to it. It has the ability to stand a test. But go ahead and read. 11. Put on the whole armor of Yahweh, that ye may be able to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So you're putting on armor. Why would you put on armor when you go out to battle? I mean, when you go out to battle in the sword fight, you're not going to wear your pajamas. You sit there and you run out in your pajamas. I can promise you, you're not going to last very long. Because when you start having um, things flying through the air and, and, and axes and swords and all these various things swung at you, you're going to wish you had some sort of protection in the flesh to be able to stand up against that. And I was watching a show and I actually personally wore uh, armor, armor meaning sword and shield. I actually fought sword and shield um, through an organization years ago for many, many years. So I have some kind of an idea what it's like to wear a suit of armor and to take a broadsword and have your shield in hand and go to combat with it. I've done that for many, many years. So, but the thing about the armor, I'm not using the armor to beat someone up. I don't go to battle and say, I'm going to hit you with my helmet. Uh, I'm going to take my, my uh, gauntlet and throw it at you, and hopefully it does the job and you're done. No, the armor is there to protect you. It's what's keeping you alive. It's what's allowing you to endure. It's allowing you to be able to resist the force of a sword that comes down on your chest. You want that breastplate in place so that breastplate takes the damage rather than you taking the damage because the sword will do a tremendous amount of damage if it hits you. So that armor is there to protect you. Put on the whole armor of Yahweh so that you can have the strength or the ability to resist uh, against these things. And we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. Go ahead and read, please against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, mm -hmm. against spiritual wickedness in high places. 13, wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of Yahweh. No, I don't want to wear the helmet. No, you don't wear the helmet. When your opponent is looking at you, and I know this because I had to go up against opponents that were wearing armor as well. We look for the weak spots. We look for the weak spots, basically it could be their training, meaning that they have a tendency to leave their shield down. And when he brings the shield down, I'm gonna, you know, hit him in the helmet or, you know, something like that. Or you're looking for the chinks in the armor, the, the, the little areas that the armor doesn't cover. And so they're looking for all the weak spots, but take on the whole armor, because if you don't have your helmet on, where do you think your enemy's going to aim for? He's going for your head. But if you don't have your breastplate on, he's going for your chest. If you don't have your gauntlet on, he's going for your hands. So you put on the whole armor to protect yourself against every 
possibility that's going to come at you because the Satan's going to come at your head and he's going to come at your heart and he's going to get you uh, in many other ways. So you have to put on the whole armor of Yahweh. Read. 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of Yahweh that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So that you can endure. Can I just say endure to be able to resist the force or to be able to resist an attack, which is the attribute of strength. That's what it means. Go ahead and read. And have done all to stand. Mm -hmm. Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. Truth is an important part of the armor. You want the truth. You don't want to be standing on a lie. That's why we use the name Yahweh. It's the truth. That's why we talk about Old and New Covenant. It's the truth. That's why we talk about a pattern. It's the truth. Everything we teach, it's the truth. Read. And having on the breastplate of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And it's the, 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 the loins girt with truth. All these pieces of armor, they're not your armor. They're his armor. And when you're wearing the armor, you're no longer identified as the man inside the armor. You're identified as the armor. This is the armor of England. This is the armor. So you can identify the difference between one enemy and another enemy because their armor will be similar or they'll be wearing colors. To, to, but anyway, when you put on the whole armor of Yahweh, they're not seeing the flesh underneath the armor. They're seeing the armor, which is Yahweh. But then look at you. They're seeing Yahweh. In you enduring all these trials and tribulations. Read. 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Of and we peace. all need to take a lesson on that one. Our feet should be shod with the preparation of this gospel. A lot of times people, they want to hear the gospel. But what are you doing to prepare for the gospel? What are you doing to support the gospel? Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Read. Above all. Taking the shield of faith. Above all, take the shield of faith. And some people think, well, I got to have faith. No, that faith is the shield of Yahweh. It, faith is an attribute. It's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's something you need to get from Him. You need His faith, not your faith, because your faith is not going to be any good. You need to have the Holy Spirit, the faith through the Holy Spirit. He's the only true and faithful witness. But go ahead and read. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of Yahweh. Now, you want something that has power? The sword is what gives you power. And when you have the sword, you have power. And when you have the armor, you have the strength to be able to resist the attack that's going to be put on you. Now, how do I know the sword's power? And I'll get this scripture in closing. Hebrews 4 and 12. And that's all the time I'm going to have. Hebrews 4 and 12. Mm -hmm. For the word of Yahweh is... Now, the reason I'm getting this, because the, the word, the sword is the spirit, which is the word of Yahweh. Now, that's why we're getting this. The word of Yahweh, read. For the word of Yahweh is quick and powerful. Quick and powerful. The ability to produce an effect. Read. And sharper than any two-edged sword. Mm -hmm. Piercing even 
to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now that's good enough there. Okay. If Yahweh be for you, who can be against you? So keep your heart and mind set on Yahshua, lay your treasures in Yahshua, and peace to all the brethren. I hope you got something out of it. Stay strong in Yahshua. Thanks for the time. Thank you, Dr. Verkaterin. We'd like to thank everybody who participated in our Zoom class today. And we'd also like to thank those who have viewed us on YouTube. We hold our Zoom class here every Saturday from 4 to 6 p.m., with the exception of next Saturday, December 11th. I ask the class now to please remain muted until the live stream is ended. We'll now be dismissed by the doxology, which is taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua the Messiah, our Sovereign, long glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever, let us all say, Hallelujah. Hallelujah.